You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the next generation of glass ionomers. Our guest is Dr. Joshua Austin, who maintains a full-time restorative dentistry private practice in San Antonio, Texas. He is an editorial director and columnist for Dental Economics and lectures around the country. His approach to his Pearls for Your Practice column is a fresh approach in today's commercial-driven dental journalism. Dr. Austin, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Phil. I'm thrilled to be here. Glass ionomers is the topic for today, and obviously dentists um, have been shown different types of glass ionomers from different manufacturers over the years. Give us a little insight into what got you introduced into glass ionomers and how that's been uh, working in your practice. For about a decade of my career, I totally ignored glass ionomer. And it dates back to my very first restoration in dental school, which was like, you know, fall of, of junior year, you know, first go around in the clinic. And I had a patient that needed three class five restorations, 19, 20, 21. And so the day came or the night before the day of the, you know, the big day, the first time I've ever restored a tooth. So I go home and I pull out my operative dentistry textbook, which was Summit's Fundamentals of Operative Dentistry, one of the kind of big popular uh, uh, textbooks for operative. And I looked at all the different options I had for class five, and I thought I would really impress my professors and do an open sandwich technique, which is where you do like a layer of glass ionomer, and then you do composite over that, sort of the glass ionomer more towards the gingival and more towards the root surface and and then the composite resin more towards the enamel. And so the idea was to try to get the fluoride releasing benefits of the glass ionomer while keeping the aesthetics and polishability of the composite. That is a complicated technique, even in the hands of an experienced clinician, in the hands of literally a beginner. The first time I'd ever done a restoration, it was a mess. I had glass ionomer running everywhere. I didn't have a good mix. Uh, it was just it was just a total mess. And I kind of vowed to myself that day, I will never touch glass ionomer again. And I didn't for like a decade. And, and I realized that that was a huge disservice to my patients and my practice. Uh, and, and, you know, really, I got a bad taste in my mouth from one event that really was an outlier because I didn't really know what I was doing at all. And so uh, as I've kind of come back around to glass ionomers, um, I realized that, hey, things have gotten a lot better in that space over that decade. And the things that we remember from dental school, if you're kind of judging them off of those old previous generations of glass animers, things are just a lot better. And so I think it's something that every modern restorative practice needs to have in their back pocket. There are a lot of indications where we can use them. How long ago was that in dental school? Not to reveal your age, but it'll give us an idea of the generation of glass animers that you were struggling with. Yeah, it would have been like 2004. And so we were looking at like Fuji 9, you know, something something is, is, is... I don't want to say primitive, but but something that had been on the market for a while and was kind of, you know, just one of the standard bearers as far as uh, as far as glass ionomers went. And that's uh, that's what we were using. And, you know, now Fuji 9 obviously is still still a great material and still has its its place. But, you know, these companies have really brazed the bar. And so if that's kind of what you're picturing, like Fuji 2LC and Fuji 9 as as glass ionomers, like, man, we are. uh we are we are a lot better than those days for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I have been having a very frustrating time finding a dentist for my daughter who's 25 in Austin, Texas, that will do <laughs> that will do a glass ionomer restoration on her posterior teeth where she has 
They're, it's basically a clusolingual buckle. There, there are three surface lesions that are not involved yeah. approximately. And um, the only dentist that we could find is a, is a pediatric dentist who won't see her because she's <laughs> 25 years old. Sure. So it is extremely frustrating. And I know the value of glass ionomer, so I know where you're coming from. I'm an endodontist, so I'm, you know, I may be the last, yeah. the last person to really understand the value of glass ionomer. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, because we're already doing the the job way after the fact. But, but uh, what you're saying makes total sense. And and you know, we're trying to get, I'm trying to get my daughter to get treated because of the ion exchange and all the benefits, and we don't have to worry about the aesthetics in that region. So, how have current glass ionomers improved in performance? So a couple of different ways. I, I think number one is, if, you know, you just mentioned your daughter who has some occlusal related lesions that need to be restored and the thought of using glass ionomer there. When I was in dental school, that was just a forbidden no-no. We just don't put glass ionomer on an occlusal surface unless we're talking about a sedative filling or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so now we have these, what I would call and what the companies call hybrid glass ionomer. So an example of one would be like Equia by GC America is a great one to, to, uh, to think about. Um, it is a glass ionomer that has glass filler particles uh, in, you know, in, incorporated instead of incorporating resin, right? Like a traditional resin modified glass ionomer. Uh, and so those glass filler particles actually make it a lot more resilient to be able to put on an occlusal surface in the right situation. So, you know, am I gonna do a huge cusp, you know, involved undermined enamel kind of situation with Equia or, or another hybrid glass ionomer? No, of course not. Like you have to pick and choose your cases. But if you have a small class one, small to moderate size class one, where you have occlusion on other parts of, of natural tooth, you can lighten the occlusion on the restoration. And even a class two situation where you have, um, you know, a, a small class two, a small box that doesn't wrap around line angles and things like that and leave a lot of unsupported enamel. Equia will work really well in those situations. And so especially like where I use that is, is my, my um, you know, high caries risk patient, you know, the young patient who really and honestly needs amalgam because of recurrent caries risk. But, you know, for because we live in 2020, 2019, 2020, um, we, you know, we can't do amalgam on, on a lot of these patients. They just won't accept it. So, you know, Equia and Equia HT, which stands for high translucency, is a great option for those. So. That's one way that, that they've evolved is by, hey, now I can actually use them on the occlusals in some situations. Right. And another way is, is just the dispensing tips. I mean, if you remember kind of the old glass ionomer applicator, you know, if you picture it in your mind, it's a big clunky metal thing. Um, and so the applicators now are, are a lot more ergonomic and a lot better um, and allow you to get to places. Because a lot of times, you know, if I'm using glass ionomer, sometimes I'm using it on root surfaces and places that are hard to get to. I've got this big clunky applicator. I have to navigate around lips and cheeks and tongues to try to get it there. And so you know, I've seen companies come up with new applicators um, and new delivery systems that make using glass ionomer a lot easier. So those are a couple of the ways that, that, that things have improved a lot in the glass ionomer world. So when do you make the decision to use a composite restorative? What's the, what's the uh, area where you say, okay, this is the tipping point. I need, I need to use composite restorative uh, when we're right. talking about, um, obviously, we're talking about posteriors. I, sure. I assume I assume the anteriors, you, you're pretty much going to be using composite for the most part, just from for aesthetics. Or am I? Is that right? Or exactly? Yeah, you know, the 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 one situation where I would would defer out of that and use a glass monitor, ionomer in the anterior is especially lower anteriors root decay. 
Um, and, and those are areas where I don't mind using a glossonomer because it's not going to show very much. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to get root decay on somebody who doesn't have a high caries risk. Right. So that's the that's for me is the number one thing is is I'm doing a caries risk assessment. And, you know, it doesn't have to be as fancy as a full written protocol where you're filling out a whole page worksheet or something like that. You know, you can look around a patient's mouth and you can look at decay patterns and get a good idea really quickly of who's a high caries risk, who's a low caries risk, who's a moderate caries risk. Um, and when I have patients that are high caries risk, my go-to, if at all possible, is glass anomer, whether that be root caries and I'm down in a class five situation, you know, dealing with root surfaces and and, and gin- subgingival, equigingival situations. You know, that's a tailor-made situation for glass anomer. I think it's great. Um, and then sometimes even class one, class two situations on a high caries risk patient, if the lesions are of a size and we're catching them early enough to where they haven't undermined cusps and things like that. So those are kind of the things I'm really looking at. To me, it's, it really starts with, with high caries risk. So, if I have a patient who, who yeah, just yeah. has an old amalgam that chipped out and they haven't had a, 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 you know, any caries in 30 years and they just fractured out an old amalgam, you know, that's not a patient that I look at as a high caries risk patient. I don't have any problem doing composite in that patient. You know, that patient is going to get just traditional resin composite. But you know, if it's that teenager who has demineralization everywhere and, you know, we're fighting all of these interproximal incipiencies and things like that, you know, I think glass anomer is a much better choice in that person than resin is. Yeah. And for patients, obviously, that have dry mouth or have acid reflux or any Absolutely. kind of, yeah, any kind of systemic issue that's obviously reducing salivary flow, um, I assume that's the case. And of course, difficult patients in the chair where you have trouble with isolation isn't isn't using glass onomer much more easy as far as the um, stringent types of isolation that you need with composites. Yeah, you have a little bit more of a margin of error for some for some moisture with glass onomer than you do with composite. Now, will will it work in a in a in a field full of blood? No, absolutely not. You know, that's about the only thing that'll work there is amalgam, and there's even some literature that says that hey, amalgam doesn't work all that great if you can't keep blood isolated out of it, right? So, um, but hey, you have a little gingival curricular fluid that wicks up into it while you're placing it or curing it, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, you know, comp- uh, composite's not going to handle that as well as glass ionomer will. So glass ionomer gives us kind of more of a fudge uh, when it comes to to maybe just a little bit of of, uh, of moisture um, that you have some problems controlling generally, again, on those root surfaces, on class five situations, things like mm-hmm. that. So Equia Forte HT, I know that's the new major glass onomer release from GC America. Now, you mentioned the older versions of glass onomer that GC had back in the day. Are you using Equia Forte HT because of your allegiance to GC and you've always used GC products for glass onomers, or is this a real game changer product yeah. in, in, in the field of glass onomer? I mean, GC is... It, they are like the glass onomer company, I think, in most dentist eyes. I mean, they've sort of been in the glass onomer game the longest, but Equia really is, you know, kind of a product in and of itself. It, it's 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 something that I have in my toolbox for a lot of different situations, some of which we've already talked about. Um, other ones are, hey, I, you know, every so often I'll have a patient come to me with some sensitivity on a restoration that another provider did. It's almost always a composite restoration, and I almost always it's 99.999% a composite restoration. And what I found is you pull the composite out of the tooth, put Equia Forte into it, as long, you know, and we tell a patient, like, hey, this isn't a lifetime restoration. This is, you know, two, three, five years, something like that. 
and 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 they're totally cool with it because as soon as the anesthetic wears off, they feel almost immediately better in that tooth. And so we use it for desensitizing a lot, but Equi is just a game changer. I mean, it's a great product, handles really well. I have several patients that are going on, you know, six years with class twos, um, you know, that we've controlled the occlusion on that were sensitive resin restorations before we took the resin out, replaced it with glassonomer, and again, they almost immediately feel better. So Equia is just in and of itself. I don't care who made you know who makes Equia. I think it's a great product. That being said, you know you always know you've got you've got something quality uh, when you get a glass onomer from GC America because that's just what their deal is. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Are glass onomers an option if you do not have a capsule mixer in your office? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's fun to me because uh, I, I lecture about it a, a fair bit, and people ask me about that. And they'll, the, what they'll usually say is. Uh, I sold my triturator on eBay a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. I just feel like there is a, a huge number of triturators being moved <laughs> on eBay, uh, which is just crazy to me. So every once in a while, I'll go search eBay and look at, at amalgam mixers or capsule mixers and all those kind of things and, and see all these dentists who have waved bye-bye, and then all of a sudden, Equia comes out with this great new product. Um, yeah, so uh, if you don't have it in, in amalgam mixer or triturator, um, you could still use glass onomers. Uh, one that comes to mind uh, is Fuji Automix LC, uh, which comes in this really cool new ergonomic dispenser. It's kind of one of those new dispensers I was talking about that really allows you to get kind of way back. So think more about like the the little syringe tip that you would have on a core buildup material. That's the type of syringe tip that you would have on Fuji Automix LC. Uh, and so you can really get it into a lot of different places you know, lingual of number 18, you know, distal buckle of two, places like that. So you don't need an amalgam mixer for that. It is a light cured material. It is a resin modified glass ionomer. I would not put it on an occlusal surface, but it's great um, as a buildup material to go under a, a crown as long as, as more than 50% of the, of the, uh, of the prep is, is in natural tooth. Uh, and it's great for class five situations. Um, and honestly, I don't do a lot of endo, but I always use that to close up an endo because um, I just I just can't stand some of the the more temporary restorations like IRM and Cavit and those things. Um, I just think it's so much better of a restoration, so much easier to handle. So if you don't have an amalgam mixer, don't fret. You can still be in the glass onomer game with Fuji Auto Mix LC. It's a great product as well. Just don't put it on an inclusive surface and you'll be fine. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So thank you very much for your insight, Dr. Austin. That was very good. We need to get more GPs using glass onomer on a regular basis because it's really beneficial. Like you said, you were away from it for a decade or so or, so, or something like 10 years, and you revisited it, and um, you're seeing the results. There's just a, a huge benefit in many ways to those patients that need that fluoride exchange and remineralization and so forth. Absolutely. It's original um, bioactive. Yes, that's right. Yeah, some of these companies are pushing bioactive, but that's been a, glass onomer has been around a long time, and it, it is totally should be considered a bioactive material. I, I agree. Um, thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll have you on another show soon. I hear you do podcasts, which is great. I'll have to listen to some of yours. We'll look forward to having you on another podcast in the future. Thanks so much, Phil. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Just so you know, you can access all of our episodes on Viva Learning's website at vivalearning.com or on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.